Abnormal mapping. Just another day in a podcast without end. Welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 48, the final in the Metal Gear side series of podcasts that we've been doing. I am joined by Zaya Speed today. There are spoilers for the entire series because we are talking about Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. It's a good episode. I hope you enjoy. I hope you've enjoyed the whole series. If you haven't listened to the other ones, please go back and do. They're great. I've enjoyed doing them. I've enjoyed playing the games. I'm sad to see it go, Uh, but I think we've completed something good. Maybe... I'll come back and do more Metal Gear stuff in the future. I can't help myself. So thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone for participating. And thank you uh, for all of us for showing up to enjoy something cool. And I'll see you next time. Enjoy the podcast. Oh,
Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping episode 48, the final in this strange series of Metal Gear podcasts in which I talk to different people about Metal Gear. It's fun. It's a good time. We have fun here. Today, I'm joined by Zaya Speed. Hello there. Hello there, Zaya Speed. Hello. <laughs> if I awkwardly refer to you by your full name every time, do you think that will lend to good radio? Um, I think that's a very appropriately Metal Gear. <laughs> I think it is. Zaya Speed. Zaya I guess Punished just... Speed. <laughs> right. That That's this game. That's this game. Uh. <laughs> Segway. I forgot about the quotation marks and the names. Shalashaska. Revolver, revolver, ocelot, ocelot. Um, what a quality time. But yes, if you haven't worked out, we are here to talk about Metal Gear Solid Five and wrap this thing up once and for all and free me from this fucking hell of... I've been talking about Metal Gear for a year. God, God. What did I, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? I wrote like 80,000 words about those games. Jackson punished Tyler. That's me. Punished Venom. Jackson, the Tyler Venom punished. Punished Venom. Venom punished. Why is he called? He's called Venom Snake. Why is he called Punished Venom Snake? Which which is the one we should be cutting? Can I actually give my serious hot take on that? Oh, is it hot take time now? All right. Genuine hot take time. This is the time for the hot take. All right. All right. Okay. So he is punished, quote unquote, Venom Snake, right? Yes. Uh, so, so when we shorten that, should we call him Punish Snake or should we call him Venom Snake? We call, I think we should call him Punish Snake, but but he is called quote unquote Venom Snake because uh, he's not all about revenge, right? You know, he's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that big tale of revenge, and you play the game, and Miller's just like Snake. We've got to get our revenge, and then Snake just kind of stands Miller there, voice. catatonic and mute. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like uh, Miller has just given him this name. And he's just like, whatever. <laughs> he does stand there catatonic and mute yeah. for about so he, 100% So he is actually punished uh, because he has massive, massive brain trauma. Um, mm. And so, Venom's uh, just his nickname. The... <laughs> Venom's just what we call him. Yeah. That's his name. That's our buddy, Ven. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of background. Like, whatever. Uh, when we last left you on the podcast trail, we had finished Metal Gear Solid 4, uh, the final Metal Gear game, before they made four more Metal Gear games. Uh, and we're not doing, I'm not doing podcasts about Peace Walker and everything, because uh, I, you know, I, I want to live a life before I die. And I, uh, so just summarizing quickly, this is the game that was released in 2015. Uh, the It is part two of Metal Gear Solid V, which um, came out in, with Ground Zeroes and The Phantom Pain. Uh, it is a sequel to Peace Walker, which is... And like the, between the three of them, they form this trilogy about Big Boss, but kind of not, but actually, yes. It's weird. There'll be ridiculous spoilers about everything Metal Gear. Um, I've been talking around the end of Five and a lot of the other podcasts because I know not everyone has played it. But here, we're going full on big spoilers from the off there's a big one there's a very there's a very large one so watch out for that um and yeah uh first i want to quickly talk about ground zeroes for a second even though i know zaya hasn't played it so it's so it's fine you don't need to play it i mean i have you did you watch the cut the two minute cutscene that is ground zeroes i'm aware of it yeah yeah uh it's a strange game it's 
has actually some of the best design in Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, the like, in, it's in, all in, one big in terms of like game, all, gameplay design. In terms of uh, level design, mm. the being one base with different areas rather than just a big open world with tiny bases on it is. Mm feels more like metal gear to me there's no part of the phantom pain in which there is a base that has like multiple stages to it apart from maybe the final mission but even then that's straight line yeah yeah um and it's so it, so it feels like metal gear in that way that uh the other that um the phantom pain doesn't just in terms of how it approaches spaces um but it's that's that's where a lot of the gross shit that has been a come to be associated with metal gear solid 5 comes in yes in ground zeros and it's, it's bad. bad. It's bad. We're, We're not, not defending it uh, in any stretch of the imagination. It's really bad. And then it proceeds to get worse in the next game. Because uh, I assume you found Paz in Phantom Pain. Uh, I found what, sir? Oh, Paz. Paz. Uh, yeah. Yes. And you got the cutscene where they flash back to the cutscene. Yes, I got those flashbacks. Yeah, that happened. They sure put that in a video game in 2015. <laughs> um. But yeah, Ground Zeroes was... Uh, I remember playing Ground Zeroes for the first time and thinking like, oh god, what have they done to Metal Gear? Because uh, it doesn't... It, when you first approach the systems of MGS5, it doesn't actually feel anything like mm. what came before. Mm. Um, it shifts to this very... just We made an Ubisoft open world game feeling. Yeah, I mean, especially I found coming from uh, the last Metal Gear game I played was mm-hmm. the original release of Metal Gear Solid 3. So, oh, so that didn't even play that didn't even systems. have camera control. Yeah. Um, so it was a bit. Oh, of a, what a jump! It was a bit of a jump for me. Yeah. I mean, it, it's 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 true that the last Metal Gear game they made was Metal Gear Solid Four, and they never made another one after that. Metal Gear Solid mm. Three, I guess. Mm. Oh, my joke, my bit failed. I failed on my bit. <laughs> I misspoke, <laughs> and the bit died. <laughs> Tragedy strikes. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it's a shame that they just didn't make any Metal Gears for 10 years, and then they did, and then they released it like, <laughs> half-finished. Yeah. Oh, well. So, oh, well. So, I guess we'll just talk about what it... It's a, it's a complicated game, Metal Gear Solid V, because it's in two parts. It's unfinished. It brings a ridiculous amount of changes to what the franchise is mm. in. And so, what a, just to just go from the off, what did we think? What did, like, is... Is Metal Gear Solid Five any good at all, or is it the worst? I don't know. Uh, you know, I still haven't decided. I'm sort of. <laughs> mm-hmm. I kind of want to come in and be like, I think it's uh, the best Metal Gear. Uh, if not, it's certainly my favorite Metal Gear. But I don't know if mm-hmm. it is. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess, like, I sort of approached it like I, I wasn't going to play it at first because you know I didn't play Ground Zeroes, and then I was like, you know, well, fucking, I'm free. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was so funny. <laughs> and then, and then, sort of, everyone started complaining about how it was like half finished, and 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 Snake was this kind of weird mute figure and stuff, and uh, so that really piqued my interest. And <laughs> the part where everyone said it was terrible, yeah, I was yeah, like, I'm, I can I'm, get in on this. I'm an awful contrarian bastard, and that that always hits me um, <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's sort of like you know, okay, well, is it interesting, terrible, or is it just boring terrible um i think it's on the interesting terrible line and Mm -hmm. i think it's definitely the most interesting metal gear uh why so oh god uh (laughs) that's why you're here sorry yeah i just i don't know where to start um 
um i guess we can begin with the the like the figure of snake in this game and what they mm. have done so so can we, can we just get uh, the spoiler out of the way to begin with uh i i guess can we just unambiguously guess say do it. you're not snake you're uh a random uh uh military sons frontiers uh medic who is hypnotized and brainwashed to believe he's snake yes well big boss big boss um you are that is why you are venom snake and not called big boss throughout the game mm. and i mean it's like it's it's like barely even a spoiler i mean it just it the game just winks at you so hard it, it's just that it waits like a hundred hours to kind of you know say it outright what about you <laughs> he mm. points at the camera or him or whatever he says um and you're like what about him uh, i mean so here's I, I actually didn't know the the twist for me isn't that you're not big boss mm. uh like i i saw that coming from pretty much the start of the game yeah um i just thought it was the the, rev- the actual twist is who you are because mm. uh, i was convinced that the twist was going to be you're playing a solidus oh yeah yeah because he's the perfect clone or whatever even though solidus has two arms or whatever yeah for some reason i thought that's where it's gonna go that kid is gonna be riding he's gonna be fighting with riding in the civil war it's gonna be great um uh it turns out no you're just some you're just some rando yeah which which i i actually love that um i love it too i think i love it for different reasons but i want to hear yours yeah well like so i don't like the kind of take that it's it's it, it's it's a player proxy thing like it's kind of like the end of, of metal gear solid 2 when you know Raiden looks at his dog tags and it's it's like whatever name you entered like presumably yours um mm-hmm. i don't like that sort of like oh you were big boss all along thanks player uh kind of thing like i i, I, I like that you're just some rando soldier you know i, I you know i want to believe that the medic is an established character and you're just you're him you're not like a player you're, you're not supposed to be a, a hard player analog um mm-hmm. and i think that's really interesting i think that really ties into uh the themes of the game um i think that's cool i like that a lot that's my take mm-hmm. so what do you like see as the themes of the game what is the uh... um i think i think uh to just use the word very broadly i think it's a game about trauma yes um in both a personal sense and and a geopolitical sense, and I think those two are very uh, interlocked. And what I've sort of been scared of uh, coming up to this podcast is kind of expressing, trying trying to express this and sort of tie it all together and make it coherent. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. If there's one thing the Melga Solid Five isn't. It's... <laughs> Like coherent and interlocked in a perfect <laughs> expression of itself. That's true. So... Maybe, maybe I shouldn't even try. I'll just, I'll just, I'm just going to throw stuff out. Yeah, uh, that's what they did. <laughs> um, the the weird thing for me about Metal Gear Solid Five being a uh, on fire disaster that's terrible is how it's a perfect game. It mm. like it is. Uh, it is there's a way to read it in which there is nothing wrong with that everything that went wrong is perfect absolutely because that's that's the game is so about itself yeah that like the game is about these people who have these things but they can't finish them and it's yeah. about this 
uh, like weird capitalist prison that they found themselves in and at the mercy of, which has been turned into an actual weird capitalist free-to-play prison on the players. Totally. And, like, the recursive bullshit that is every Metal Gear game is about itself is hilarious to me all the time. (laughs) Totally. That's, I mean, that's where I stand on it. Like, sort of looking at it as I do as a game about, like, you know, mental illness and colonialism. Uh, Mm -hmm. How could it not be a giant flaming mess? And, yeah. you know, like, if you're going to do those themes justice, you have to be a, a, a massive, massive mess. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to do it, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, because uh, it, it continues, for me, in, this, in these themes, like the work of Peace Walker, which I don't know if you've watched or seen. Um, I'm not super familiar with it. Um, <clears throat> Peace Walker is also a game about trauma mm. uh, in a different way to this. This is about the aftermath of specifically ptsd and the, like this mm. guy who has been through very physical trauma yeah uh, i guess the uh, i guess the, the peace walker is also about ptsd in a different way uh but it's more about grief yeah um because in this it's like you're working through this event that happened to you and your body is different and your situation is different and your world is different yeah. and you like the, the games is a very lonely game it definitely has this feeling of you're on the battlefield you're the greatest soldier ever but your life is just kind of running around with limitless technology at your disposal feeling shit absolutely like i I was pretty uh ambivalent at first about the idea of like an open world metal gear but i i found it really poignant to kind of run around this big empty magical wasteland just you know going between like tiny little outposts and And just just seeing like this is this place has clearly been torn apart and shat on by america yeah and yeah. Like especially when you move to africa and you're like yeah all these american pmcs moved in and the oil company like yeah the oil i think place has destroyed the environment yeah I, th- I mean i think that was kind of the moment that sort of sealed the game for me where you sort of first arrive in uh the, the angola's zaire border region and you sort of like you you kind of land in like this little gully and you you walk past uh you walk through this little gully and a waterfall and stuff and miller's and it's beautiful yeah it's gorgeous and miller's like talking to you about you know what's been going on in this region how it's sort of like uh over the past few years you know it's it's kind of been conquered by pmcs and it's sort of like implicit in all this is like you know yeah you're responsible uh or big boss is responsible for you know the the, the rise of pmcs in africa and thus the like the current face of 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 colonial violence and exploitation Mm. and then you know you sort of walk out into this big plain and like the rivers are running black with oil and it's just man it's just this really fantastic section of the game i think yeah because there's you're like oh a new place this is beautiful i'm gonna run around africa it's gonna be so cool Mm. but the moment you get to the top of that cliff and you see like what has happened to this country Mm. because of um, well, and it like specifically implicates the player in, in mm, that mm. colonial violence. Yeah, I think it was really interesting, uh, I guess, going to the reaction to when the game came out and sort of uh, one of the complaints I remember seeing a lot just posted around the internet was sort of like, you know, you don't see Snake become a monster or a de- like there was that, you know, that I'm already a demon line. And then people mm-hmm. were like, oh, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to get to like shoot some kids and, and like you know, whatever, like do some war crimes. And then it's like... Metal Gear's never been about that. Like Metal Gear's always been about the structural violence exactly. always outweighing the personal violence. In every, it, it, that, exactly. that is one of its core themes. Exactly. It's like, well, you're already a demon. It's just, 
you know, it's not visible on a personal level. And I think... Yeah, it's all under the surface. uh, And and I guess this this is the part where I have a lot of stuff to say and I'm trying to kind of just not gush Mm -hmm. it all out in a mess. Um, I think... I I wanted to go back and make the point about Peace Walker quickly before we return to this, which is that uh, Peace Peace Walker Walker. is... the in a way the inverse of this because this is this very quiet reflective game uh that is framed as a power fantasy but it's actually this very hollow feeling experience um about uh like this breakdown and the effects of your actions on people whereas peace walker is a game in which the uh emotional trauma is very visible and very on the surface and snake is just is an incapable of functioning because mm. uh, he is d- dealing with the boss's death and working through that and he just can't he just can't like the, the basically the plot of a, of a normal metal gear game is going on around him while snake is having a depressive break um, <laughs> and he is unable to just admit reality and see reality like it is it's actually really effective the length to which they actually portray the effect of um like grief and the weakness of uh, dealing with mental trauma. Because yeah. Snake is allowed to be a very weak person in Peace Walker who is incapable of functioning. Uh, and that's not treated as like, this is a bad thing. So no, this is the real, this this mental trauma of him losing this person and not being able to understand what happened mm. is a real thing. And it's just this breakdown that plays over the course of the game. Mm. And it ties in like... It is him being consumed with this personal thing, which Ella blinds him to. Like that's why he just goes, "Yeah, sure, put the nuke on the base. I don't care, whatever." Yeah, uh, yeah. Because he's in the middle of that. Uh, whereas here, like punished venom snake. <laughs> I can't <laughs> punished venom snake. I will just call him venom snake. That's what everyone does. All right. Yeah. Um, venom snake is uh, just the opposite and the most like. There is this way to see him as stoic. Yeah. Uh, when that's I, I very I don't, don't agree with that. I, I think, yeah, I think I always took his his. I think hollow, as you mentioned, is kind of more the word. I think I was really taken with kind of how quiet uh, MGSV is. Um, like there, you know, like I said, there are these big sort of empty. The world is just you know big empty spaces, and and uh, you're kind of removed from all the sort of sense of violence. Um, both in the sense that a lot of it happens in you know kind of audio tapes and also uh because a lot of it's all like organized at like mother base which is you know like completely separate you've got an ocean between you and 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 there Mm -hmm. but i think that really bears on its portrayal of, of 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 uh mental illness as well like one of my little personal tirades is just you know the the portrayal of 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 uh mental illness in media where it focuses on positive symptoms so for example you have like schizophrenia and it just focuses on on hallucinations like it doesn't focus on kind of the negative symptoms you know the lack of emotion the the flattening the emptiness and i don't know maybe i'm projecting a bit but like insofar as it's a game about like these 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 absences and and uh this hollow feeling i I thought that was a really compelling portrayal of of kind of these issues yeah, I mean, I think I'm def like in these reads, I'm definitely like, projecting in a way because they never they never explicitly refer to mental illness. Um, mm. In I don't think so. well, th- there is like some references to PTSD, especially around like Raiden and stuff. Yeah, but the games are not like saying, "Oh, we're about this." But the way in which the portrayal like 
either inadvertently or not, I don't know, like captures that feel. Sorry, uh, it like captures that feeling is very strong. Mm. And I, I mean, I think it's you know even when it does have you know uh, hallucinations in the pause sequence, you know they're very you know confined. Um, you know they're a thing like you can totally miss, and they come up there. And the only other time, well, off the top of my head at least, that they come up is in like. Uh, the hospital sequence at the start, which is, you know, when you're doped the heck up on God knows what sort of painkillers. Yeah, because there is, like, the, the hospital sequence at the start, I couldn't tell you how much, like, how much of that really happened. Mm. Mm. Um, it's very surreal. Like, I don't, I don't like the hospital sequence at the start that much. Uh, I think it is uh, this confined and, uh, like he rings false compared to some of the beats later in the game like it is you are scared because you are under the bed and everything but you're actually the most protected you've yeah, ever been yeah. you ever are in that game because it's just uh 2008 i think like, call of duty level yeah to me it kind of came across more as uh just a big sort of triumphant look at all the money we have bombastic yeah. sequence than any emotional thing and i love it for that like i i sort of went into it as that and really enjoyed it but i can't, I can't imagine taking it as like a serious thing mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's it's, it's a, a strange, strange thing because it didn't, it didn't oh, like as an opening of a metal gear game it felt very um surreal in terms of this this doesn't mm. this doesn't feel honest to the series uh it felt like uh the example i'd go for is the opening of mass effect 3 which mm, feels very mm. dishonest to that series because that series is all about space and wonder and even though it's got its dumb stuff that creeps in about uh ancient aliens whatever and especially two and three um there's no weirder moment than beginning three on earth and then everyone like earth is is attacked and it just feels like a transformers movie and it's only when i get to the citadel where i'm like okay i don't like post two mass effect but this now at least feels like mass effect on some level um and that's how i felt about metal gear once i got out of the first sequence was mm. once I was handed my glasses and a big title card came up saying, this is the brand of your glasses. I was like, all right, I'm in. I guess the the <laughs> other game I would probably want to raise in terms of the hospital sequences, recently I played uh, The Order 1886 um, because I hate myself. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> but that also opens with like this kind of, it's, it's easily the least welcoming opening sequence I've ever seen in the game. It's sort of, um, it opens with two very British men uh torturing a third very british man by like just dunking his head underwater and that happens a couple times and then you sort of escape this kind of uh prison torture sequence but it's got like the same sort of you know slow injured walk and like it's actually Mm -hmm. a very similar sequence to the hospital thing only it's not an hour long Um, yeah uh and and a a lot of that comes out of dead space which especially dead space 2 which begins with that whole scene of the woman's face exploding and like action horror starts of games are like that's where i go for that in terms of yeah late in terms of uh like late 2000s scripted big budget event sequence because i know horror scripted sequences are way more uh like have a way bigger influence than that but that's like my point of reference in this yeah we spent a lot of money to make the horrifying thing happen yeah i mean like Uh, is that yeah like i totally don't have that genealogy at all i was just kind of struck seeing these two sequences into 2015 uh you know cinematic action games mm-hmm. but 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like the hospital a lot. I, I like the opening um, in terms of uh, the beginning of just this very long bit where the, the man who sold the world is playing mm. and you're in the hospital. And you're just in the bed and you can't move. Mm. Um, it's this really moody opening that sets the tone for the game that I really like. Mm. And, then, and then the character creator comes up. And, and I think in a lot of ways, like that, that sets the tone of the game as well. Yeah, you're like, excuse me, what? Excuse like, it, it's me. just, it's the most Metal Gear thing. And mm-hmm. so, like, actually, quick question. I haven't played Metal yes. Gear Online. It, does that feed into Metal Gear Online, or is that... The character you create is the one of your character slots in Metal Gear Online. Yes. Okay, all right. And otherwise, it just appears uh, in, like, the, the ID at the end. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, all right, just checking. Yeah, yeah, so, so the, the, the game, game opens game. and then you are, are revealed, like, Ocelot, Ocelot shows up and... Uh, fucking Ocelot in this game. <laughs> he looks terrible. He looks he, so bad. He looks that. terrible, yes. People, I just... Okay, apparently we have a question about this, but uh, I'm going to go now. I, people tell me that Ocelot in MGS5 is hot. I didn't. They're wrong! I, I, I didn't get it. I I'm, I don't I mean like what you like. Mm. For me, no. You just, you just put a shitty mustache on Troy Baker. You just, you just look at him. Anyway. It's like I mean, <laughs> I guess I guess to anyone who 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 thought MGS3 Ocelot was hot, uh, maybe go play MGS3 if you haven't. Um, I mean, MGS3 Ocelot isn't hot. He just sucks, but he's also the best. MGS3 Ocelot is pretty cute. He's, he's pretty, pretty cute, cute, but he's an idiot. He's not, like, cool dude. He's just like, Hi, I'm kind of leading a squad, kind of betraying everyone. I don't know. Hi, I love Snake. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Oslo impression. That's what he sounds like. <laughs> I'm going to bat away all these hornets with my guns. It's pretty good. You're pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty. <laughs> you are pretty good. Thank you. That's the line. Um... But yeah, like, what did you, what did I, like, I guess we talked a little bit about the moment-to-moment play of this game and mm. this weird, hollow feeling. Uh, we should probably do a bit of talking about the actual action of the game, because that's been the predominant, at least mainstream, discourse around this is. It's a, a really amazing action game sandbox thing. Yeah. Like, systems interact with other systems to make things happen, and the fun factor is high. Um and I, I don't know, what do we think about that whole The fun thing? factor is high. Um, yeah, see, I don't know, because like, I, I was never drawn to Metal Gear for kind of the, the, the experimental sandbox thing. Like, I, I always really mm. liked Metal Gear Solid 2 as a game in which I would pretty much exclusively use the M9 and just go through and trank people. Yep. Um, yeah. And in a lot of ways, that's how I played MGSV as well. Yep. So, <laughs> I don't know, I'm pretty boring. Um I mean, so did I. Like, as soon as I had a silent sniper rifle, yeah, you best was, believe I didn't use any other. That guns. was it. I'm done. <laughs> like, um, I have a silenced trank rifle. You're you're all done. Goodbye. Yeah, but like, movement felt amazing. Um, I think that's a thing I was really surprised by. Um, it's good. I don't really have much more to say on that. Uh, Sorry. I, the thing I would say about it. No, no, no. It's fine. Uh, the thing I would say about it, which might lead us into an area of discussion, mm. is that. Whilst I think that's true in terms of if you approach it as um, fun video game, fun time, 
uh, sandbox like thing happens, then there's a, like I, I saw the um, Tom Francis uh, little article that's basically listing the layers of fail state in an, in the, in a Metal Gear Solid Five encounter, mm. which is like okay, you can get half spotted, then you can get real spotted, then you can get reflex mode, then you can hide again. Like the it is not just you're dead or not. There like there is a yeah, wide yeah. play space. Um, but what I thought was actually really interesting about this is that. It does definitely present as this power fantasy, you can do anything situation, but for a combination of the fact that every single thing costs money in this game, mm. like every action costs has a tangible and a, a like a cost that affects you. So everything is, you can't have fun just doing whatever because you're within this awful war economy system. Mm. And the way in which it encourages you to mark enemies from afar. Yeah. Um, made the game like I was mostly playing and just shooting guys from a distance. They never saw me. I never engaged them. It was an incredibly disconnected feeling game. Yeah, I mean, my and... well, my two modes of play were yeah, like marking, tranking. They never saw me, or I'd just mm. you know run around and just punch them all in the face. Um, Those are the two modes. Yep. Yeah, but I think as a broad thing. Um, just like the whole the whole system of you know developing and deploying weapons is obviously pretty thematically tied into to Metal Gear, and I guess it's pretty interesting in, in how blatantly ridiculous it is in this, and it really kind of ties back into the kind of weird magical empty wasteland feel uh, the game had for me, mm-hmm. uh, in that you're just running around and yeah you have completely fucked up this region of the world you know you're still in the process of it and then you're just kind of running around uh sliding into people in a cardboard box Mm -hmm. it's i don't know i don't know quite what i'm trying to say here but it was sort of that that sense of uh you know even when you're very directly using uh or kind of engage engaging with you know the war machinery, the outcomes still feel very distanced. And yeah. I mean, even when you're like you know uh, on a chopper just using a minigun, it's like you're kind of encouraged to blast ridiculous '80s pop music. So mm-hmm. you know it becomes really farcical. Yeah, there's a weird um, kind of strangeness to Metal Gear Solid V's uh, presentation, which comes out of the first games. Being on the place, oh, I guess the first solid games, uh, being on the PlayStation, PlayStation Two, um, were very expressive games, and they weren't very realistic, though they uh, were often complemented as such because they had this uh, like density of systems. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas here, this presents more as a, at least a 2015 video game understanding of realism. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like direct, like you don't, you don't have the like the UI is different. You can't carry more than certain amounts on the body and then like it tries to represent it all mm. and it, it attempts to make this feeling of uh a cohesiveness to the person that you are mm. um in a way where that wasn't true of uh a, like one where you could just press the trigger and scroll through a million things yeah um but the feeling of shooting and like enemies are still cardboard cutouts with the most basic ai routines so what you have is this weird mix of incredibly dense and precise body controls 
while your enemies just feel like weird paper robots. Hmm. And it creates this divide between you and your enemies. And I mean, like, well, I mean, it, like, it knows that as well. Um, yeah. Like, as soon, as soon as the kind of enemy decoys come into play, like, they're literally just cardboard cutouts. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't tell the difference, no. No, God, no. They tricked me so many times. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the game becomes less about... Uh, well, like once they introduce a lot of those things, the game is not about um, in-the-moment reactive play or whatever. It's about, right, I'm going to stand back, I'm going to scan everything, I'm going to make sure I know what to do. And it like increases this. Because then, um, at, at the start, I was... I felt strange about the uh, scanning system where everything could be marked on the map. Mm. But I actually think it... Uh, creates this really potent effect uh, that four started by um, having all the guns give you money, where it turns the world around you into a series. Like it explicitly makes it clear that this is not a world of like the beautiful real world that we've like spent all this money to create. This is a world of symbols, and you are heading towards the triangle to make the thing go away. Yeah, uh, it makes very clear the rules of the game mm. and. Uses that to like implicate your character mm. in that machinery. Yeah, I mean, I think I was really shocked at how successful it was. As kind of, uh, you know, like you said, it's got all these 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 signs of you know, twenty fifteen video game realism. But despite all this, in all the essential ways, it's very systematically uh, direct and clear. Like, you know what everything means for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, um, and what I mean, did you think of, what did you think of the, uh, like, the GMP system and the mechanic of the game that eventually spun it into free-to-play uh, um, grind forever? Like, what, so how, how did you... I that? played it all offline, um, yep. unpatched pretty soon after it came out. So, like, I'm not familiar with the whole... Online, uh, I mean, they added, they like, added, they added a bunch more stuff, but the the basic conceit is the same. Yeah, yeah, but like I remember hearing there was some kind of, I don't know, tax system, or they they did something. Konami did something with it. I don't know. Um, I I was really in two minds about it the entire time. I didn't like it as, uh, I I didn't like the entire mother base system as I felt it was just like a. a it was just there to kind of waste time. Like, I wasn't super into developing weapons or anything because, like I said, I, I really just stuck with a Trank pistol. Um, I think in the end, I th- I'm i still trying to decide whether I feel if, you know, the whole Mother Base thing paid off or not in the end in terms of story. Um, on the whole, I, I, I wasn't super into it. Um, just give me a Trank pistol and let me go. I'm happy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I like uh, the intent of it, but um, it's, I think it's just a like straight copy of the themes in Peace Walker. Yeah, uh, where the like the system of busy work managing this base is basically the most transparent. This is what developing a video game is like thing. Because you've you've seen the ending of four, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, and I talked to uh, to Austin uh, last time about how I read that ending as a, a very specific like author taking responsibility for his work. Mm. Um, like saying, oh, fuck, I made this thing and it got away from me and 
this has to end and so the, what you have with the big boss stories is this guy big boss like he has this thing is like real passionate thing he wants to do to the world or like make happen in the world mm. but through engaging with this complex bureaucratic like just weird capitalist thing that he has to engage with to make the thing real mm. the like his intent is lost along the way to this just an unknowable mass of people that he has to manage yeah and it's just it's just like a really effective way of showing the loss of like artistic or not even artistic but just individual intent with any large system yeah um, so i mean it's overruled by whatever norms the system so perpetuates when you when you when you say that are you are you specifically intending to kind of foreground this sort of meta reading in terms of uh kojima and his relation to the series I mean, I think I I think of that in four more than five, but yeah, I think okay. uh, a lot of the game is about that. Like, I think there's a, it's a combination in that it is both about how uh, systems override individual intent, and specifically yeah. uh, about how capitalism is a very dehumanizing thing, and it's a very like especially American capitalism was. We haven't got to that part of the themes of the game yet, but we will soon. Mm. Um, uh, it's a very dehumanizing thing, and it is an engine that is bigger than any individual within it and eventually will crush us all yeah yeah uh, and it combines and but it also combines that with the, the meta reading of this is what developing a video game is like i have no idea how much of it is intentional but that comes through when i yeah uh, i think i, I mean I, I definitely agree with you insofar as like i like i mean i appreciate the kind of representation of of, of, of this this hugely complex uh war machine you know this this system of violence that you're kind of building and then and feeding into um my gripe is honestly just that i it it's a waste of time <laughs> which, which, which i mean is is, is very easily the point but i mean but that's where it gets weird and that it is kind of the point but then it is also there like the way that system was implicated is far harsher than it was in peace walker hmm. like you get the point in peace walker but it doesn't become an um, like impeding on play in the way that it does here hmm. where they want you to like alright you want to develop this gun but it's too expensive and you want to pay the mother base coin so you you know skip the time limit and everything Yeah, um, yeah. and it creates this like the system is so harsh and shitty but then it wants to like extract money from the player which I don't like I don't like I don't know how like does that make the game better or does it make the game worse because we know about the situation with Kojima and Konami and it's like mm. easy to read this as a prescribed corporate thing yeah um but it's still within the game and it definitely makes the game worse so that's what I mean when I'm like the game is about itself but also is the things that it doesn't want to be but it's a game about becoming the things you don't want to be. and just <laughs> nonsense forever <laughs> this Oribus just it can if you if you follow this road it can go into just so i'm just gonna back away yep. i'm just gonna back away sensible uh i want to move on to that the other themes that we got to uh almost got to about the colonialism mm. specifically the stuff with language yes uh when like the actual when the, the themes of the game are revealed in a broad sense what did you think of that like once um all, what the game was about became clear so I mean, well, first off, I kind of knew it going in. That was one of the things that you know I sort of I sort of uh, heard a little bit about what the game was about, and that kind of piqued my interest. Um, I love it. I think it's really good. Um, well, I think it's pretty good. I think it's better than it has any right to be. I remember um, when when it was unveiled, and they sort of said like the the kind of code word 
for MGSV uh, was race, like it was, you know, gene, meme, scene, I think. Uh, and they said it was race and just everyone was just kind of like, okay, well. <laughs> yeah, you could collectively hear everyone just smashing their face into a wall. Like you just felt um, my, myself included of the world titan. Yes. Um, oh no. Oh no. And then like reflecting back on it, like I can... S- I mean, that's definitely reflected in the game. I mean, it's a game about race and it doesn't shit the bed. Um, it doesn't embarrass itself. I mean... It embarrasses itself a little bit, but well, only in the ways that Metal Gear always embarrasses yeah, yeah, itself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in the way that Drebin is this uh, like really amazing character uh, of like studying someone who's grown up in this awful system and knows how to navigate it, but mm. also knows it's bad mm. and wants to help, and like this weird moral gray line and where responsibility lies, who's also uh, an incredibly racist character with a uh, smoking monkey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so like, it, it has that stuff in like, Code Talker yeah. being called Code Talker and just talking in the most exaggerated I'm a Native American character accent the whole time. Okay, I'm not going to lie, I'd actually to- totally forgotten about Code Talker. Um, but I mean, The Wolbachia. <laughs> I think what tied it together for me was kind of... Mm-hmm. Um, and this really becomes clear when you sort of... Towards, towards the end when uh, uh, Skullface has his big speech and he's kind of talking about being behind the scenes the whole time is this kind of mm-hmm. idea of invisibilization. Um, yeah both in terms of, you know, uh, the violence you're doing to this part of the world. You know, it's sort of, you feel very distant from it uh, in terms of all the main characters. So not only Skullface, but but um, punished Venom Snake himself. And I mean, I thought it was very interesting, like going back to the Angola Zaya border zone, just the fact that you're playing in this, in this contested border zone in the first place. You know, you don't, it's, it's a place where nationality, uh, where the nation's borders, borders are so fluid that, you know, you don't, you don't really know where you are. Um, and then as well, I mean, at the same time I was playing this, I was, I was reading uh, Cesare's uh, discourse on colonialism. Um, yeah. And there's this bit in that where he wrote, where, sorry, where he writes that uh, colonialism is invisibilized and, and uh it was. It wasn't till World War Two was when you know, like this comparable violence was turned inwards on Europe and thereby revealed. Um, and it's interesting because he he actually specifically says, "And wait for it, because this will blow your mind." Uh, that colonialism has hurt Europe on a moral level, and it reveals that. And I quote: uh, "The very distinguished, very humanistic, very Christian Christian bourgeois of the twentieth century." Without his being aware of it, he has a Hitler inside him. Hitler inhabits him. Hitler is his demon. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Um, and I mean, like, this is a really contrived parallel, but I mean, uh, that idea that, that that Hitler is his demon, that, that the violence of colonialism is his demon, really comes back to, you know, that I'm already a demon. Yeah. Lion, like, I think. They're not talk yeah, they're not talking about he shot kids. Mm. They're talking about he um like started a economic and social movement that ended up doing incredible violence uh, across the world in the twentieth century of the Exactly. And then, and then like zooming back um, a, zooming back a level again where like everyone played the game and they were like, I d I don't I don't but but why isn't he shooting kids? Um you know, this I, colonialism is invisibilized and 
I guess like people played the game and didn't didn't pick up on you know uh, their role in this violence. Well, and, and there's also um, in this exact thing that like I have a specific meta reading on this as well, mm. which is the game, the game is basically, basically about how when, when everything is viewed from an American lens. Uh, with american language i know it's english but like it definitely when it says the english language it means it very clearly means that we i'm talking about america here mm. um and it's when everything is viewed for an american lens uh like it is impossible to critique america uh it's impossible for that to survive and other perspectives to remain alive when that is the only thing that is accepted in culture mm. uh, when the game has uh, when the series has evolved from this very uh, like weirdly esoteric and yeah. an inaccessible, like very Japanese franchise to here being Ubisoft open world game, mm. the and the reaction from the like mainstream press being, oh they find they fixed it they made Metal Gear fun to play, even though the game is screaming like no like th- no hello like the we wanted we have had our identity as a game like Japanese industry has had to subsume itself to the values of another culture yeah to survive um so i feel like that's a big reason why a lot of these reads don't make it through because the game is very explicit about saying how these kind of uh these kinds of ideas don't survive in a world in which the like culture is so dominated by a single viewpoint yeah yeah um i think i i mean yeah, i agree I, I didn't read any of that in terms of uh specifically america i think that's definitely a valid um uh rating and like i think as i said earlier i tend not to kind of privilege that sort of meta game about games reading in metal mm-hmm. gear just because it's not really what interests me personally yeah, yeah uh, but i mean i don't know i think the the history of of of, of colonialism and, and linguistic colonialism as well is is, is a lot older than just america um oh for sure so. like the game is very clear about that mm. but i mean in like in terms of its modern context and like what it's saying about oh yeah absolutely uh, the world it was made in but in general it's just like hey when like this is how we erase our own history and don't see that this has happened every time yeah because we can't read it <laughs> yeah i'd say it's probably interesting in that sense as well that like uh just the way the world is designed as you know this this big empty space linking like outposts there's no sense of 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 you know non yeah 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 it's it's all totally military Mm -hmm. um so there's really an erasure of that as well but i think what struck yeah i have mixed mixed feelings about that uh in what sense in the sense that there's only one moment in the entire metal gear series um in which the uh, I guess two uh, I, for some reason I don't count Eastern Europe even though that's all set in a city mm. um, but the moment I think oh because it's because it's fucking empty is why uh, but the moment in for when the geckos attack uh, in South America after you've had this big long infiltration of a base and the, the the attack of the base spills out to this marketplace yeah and it's this the one moment in in the entire series where you see crowds of people you see people who are not in in a war they're not just they're just going about their lives and it is instantly destroyed because these people happen to run through it yeah uh and i thought that was interesting 
and I thought the erasure of that in five, while it definitely like it, it turns these places, which is supposedly arguing on behalf of like the game, is a game which was trying to, especially in the Angola's border region, like portraying what has been done to that by western culture as a tragedy but it also portrays it as this place of war where there is nothing else yeah well it erases the culture there i mean again i think Um, i'm 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 projected onto it a lot and i think in a lot of ways my 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 reading of the game has a lot of fail safes where i can sort of say yeah but and explain it uh through my lens but like my the lens that i'm looking through like my single kind of word that i sort of see throughout the game is is invisibilization is things yeah are invisibilized by this kind of you know geopolitical trauma um so i mean the fact that that none of that isn't none of that is in the game has never really bothered me like neither as kind of as i think about it or while i was playing it um, I think mm-hmm. I sort of accepted that that kind of like, okay, well, that's just, it's just not here. Um, but I guess if I can expand a little, um, yeah, sure. I think it's... That's why you're here. <laughs> as far as invisibilization goes, like I was really interested sort of, I was I kept thinking about Metal Gear Solid 2 while I was playing it. Yes. And, you know, Metal Gear Solid 2 is all about that kind of anxiety of sort of like... Uh, Oh my god! You played it more recently than I did. The S3 program. Um, yes. You know, computers. Yeah, computers can <laughs> control our lives. Technology can sort of, you know, ride us in these certain ways. It's, it's, it's. You know, narratively, it's 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 about this fear of sort of this this uh, technological anxiety of where you know these computers try and make Raiden into like Solid Snake, right? Mm-hmm. On one level. And I think that's interesting because you know up till. MGSV, that's sort of presented as like a a, a technological anxiety, and then like MGSV mm-hmm. is just like, oh wait a second, here here is vast swathes of the world, both in terms of colonized countries and in terms of and you know in 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 colonized countries through the lens of linguistic imperialism, where languages are wiped mm-hmm. out and that affects the way people think, blah 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 blah, Sapir Wharf hypo- hypothesis, but also through the lens of of of, of uh, punished venom snake. Which I'm going to say in full every time. Um, every time, thank you. Every time, speed. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, being brainwashed and and made into big boss. But just as as, I mean, through these twin lenses of kind of colonialism and mental illness, it's it's sort of it takes this technological anxiety from Metal Gear Solid Two, and then just sort of I don't know situ- situates it in this already existing. Uh, I mean, I think does, the mean, does that make any sense? Yeah, because sort of V is the at least outwardly seeming most real-looking Metal Gear game. Mm. Like you look, like it definitely shows. All right, we've talked about the war economy in this future game. We've shown you Metal Gear Solid Two. Which I, I mean, I feel that Metal Gear Solid Two is more explicit about these themes. Yeah, absolutely. Like not just technological. Absolutely. Um, I mean, like I guess, I guess because I read. I read Metal Gear Solid 2 as, like, the expansion of the ideas from Metal Gear Solid 1, uh, but expanding them away from just warfare and soldiers uh, and identity to, uh, like, it, that's when the critique of, like, political systems and American capitalism uh, crystallizes is in Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, like, in a very jokey way, Metal Gear Solid 2 is, like, the process of becoming woke. 
Um, and I think like um, I think I think like the big oh shit moment in Metal Gear Solid Two is kind of like this sense of facelessness, like in MGS One and in and in pretty much everywhere else. Like there's always you know a loud personality in in. Well, like everyone's always a loud personality in Metal Gear, right? Like you have these these yeah. representatives of of separate. Bravo! Yeah, you have these representatives of separate schools who are all like loud personalities, and then in MGS Two you have the Patriots who are like you know computer AIs, and you have that uh, image of like you know the twelve the twelve faces all blacked out or whatever. The wise men. Yeah, and it's like oh shit, you know, suddenly there's this big faceless thing, and then in MGSV like everyone's faceless. I mean, well, skull face, literally. Um, yeah. With his fucking Zorro mask. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, with with two, like, what uh, I like about two's uh, critique in these areas is that its ending is basically this moment of, okay, I have learned now that the world is controlled by, at least, like, I mean, it does it through the sci-fi way, but the world is influenced by these systems that are out of my control, and I can't actually fix the world through, like, fighting it. It's just going to be, that that is the society we have, and it can't change overnight. So how do I live my life the best I can? Like, how do I uh, function in a society I know to be harmful uh, and have uh, at least an individually positive impact on those around me? Yeah, yeah. Um, And five is about what happens if you are the people inadvertently creating that. Like, uh, with supposedly good intentions, Big Boss basically ends up creating <laughs> the every horror of the, the modern system of warfare. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and then thumb into Metal Gear's future. But especially in this game, it's not... Because it's set in the 80s, like... The things that is purporting as horrifying are actually just real things. They're just like PMCs and colonialism. Mm. And I think, like, if I were to sort of sum it up, uh, to me personally, like, if if kind of loss of identity was always like a, a sort of a boogeyman in in MGS, uh, you know, sort of like does do your genes define who you are? Blah 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 blah. Uh, like this technological anxiety in Phantom Pain, it's sort of like this lived reality. Yeah. And I guess taking it back to the game's sort of, you know, uh, code word of race, again, it's it's ultimately less about racial identity than sort of, you know, being in the human race and being excluded from the human race, whether that's through, like, having your identity stolen or, or through having your, your language killed or, you know, the parasites or, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to say before we cut the segment is, uh, so I guess I didn't respond. My reading of the um, you are not you like the big boss reveal twist mm. is way like I do read that in a more meta sense. Yeah, I was um, I was I was going to ask about that. Yeah, because uh, what I love about the ending of Metal Gear Solid Five is that, it, especially with what it does with the multiplayer with the FOB bases, is that the ending is infinite big bosses fighting <laughs> to disarm the nuclear world like that is the canon ending of metal gear in a sense <laughs> uh, because it totally like just says that okay there's many pmcs and there's lots of ex-members of mother base and it doesn't go as far to say that there are all these other people that molded their identity after him but the implication uh, in metal gear's grand operatic sense is that like it is a handing over of the series 
mm. to like if like um metal gear solid 2 is raiden uh like the arc for me is metal gear solid 2 is raiden being freed from the player and the fr- player not needing metal gear anymore metal yeah. gear solid 4 is uh the author taking responsibility and saying oh no i like i made this it's not, it's not the author the audience's fault for reading it's wrong it's yeah. my fault for making this and then Metal Gear Solid 5 is this moment of uh if you like big boss's reaction to the injustices of the world is the most human moment in the Metal Gear series even though it le- leads to like endless tragedy mm. and he had like this this grand moment of no like this thing isn't a being a villain it's this thing that's like inside people that notice the way the world is wrong everyone's gonna want to reshape it and fix it if mm. this power is good like like if i've if this yeah big boss if me if this if this series has gone wrong then i'm handing it over to the audience in this final moment of saying you have to make like do the right thing have you uh, i don't know it, it feels really hopeful in a way yeah. that i always like about metal gear yeah um and it's this uh especially because the uh ending of three is so powerful because it's this very empty well not empty but very um uh evocative and moment in which you can pro- like the years between metal gear solid 3 and metal gear 1 just with that salute are way more powerful in the mind of whatever person is watching than to see though that downfall play out so shifting him back off into the distance and like re-mythologizing big boss is this very powerful ending that suggests a self-awareness about why the series works that i really liked yeah yeah but yeah that's that's my take on that so we'll come back from break and discuss the series as a whole and then we'll just i guess we'll say goodbye to metal gear it's a scary thought scary thought i know i know
segment one. Yeah, we didn't mention. Quiet. Oh shit! <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but we totally didn't mention quiet. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say the fact that Snake has a fucking horn in his head. This <laughs> 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 just serious talks about colonialism, and not one of us brought up the fact that someone stuffed a big fat plastic bong in his face. Um, man, I totally forgot. I I I I totally forgotten that that was like a thing. Like it's just sort of like, <laughs> oh yeah, well. Yeah, snake's horn. What about it? What about it? It's, yeah, just, yeah, snake's horn. It's like we're, it's, it's like we're this far deep, you know. Yeah, we've sort of accepted all these things already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome to segment two. There's a there's a cold open. Whoa. Um, whoa. Uh, where we talk about, I guess, more about Zaya's personal experience with the series as a whole, um, and just conclude with the few questions we've got the metal gear podcast but first uh we're going to talk about a little bit about quiet because we never we never mentioned quite it's a it's a, there's a lot of stuff to talk about with mgs5 we mm. have a lot of things to talk about uh, I, quiet was one of the big talking points about the game uh throughout its promotion and release but so what do we actually think about quiet now that we've talked about the game and clearly have find a lot of positive things there despite the fact it's hard to say it's uh capital g good game um I like Quiet a lot. Um, man, Quiet's bad. Um, fuck, I don't know. Like, so, like, I was kind of aware of the whole marketing cycle going up to it, sort of, you know, they unveiled Quiet, and it's just like, you, you, you know, she's so obviously eye-rollingly bad that you just kind of go like, okay, whatever. And then, you know, that... I mean, And then there was the kind of... A, she's a step up from what came before. Which is the Beauty and the Beast unit. <laughs> yes, I think you definitely have to talk about Quiet in just kind of the context of the series. Because um, uh, it was very... Because the culture has definitely moved forward in terms of video games. Uh, mm. like Beauty and the Beast unit were not dominated in discussion the way Quiet did. But Quiet is... Like, the Metal Gear has gone worse in its uh, designs and treatments of female characters before. Oh, absolutely. Quiet actually fares all right. Apart from a shitty costume. I think... She's an interesting character. Yeah, I was actually quite taken with, with Quiet and just kind of... I don't know. I kept I kept thinking of uh, uh, Austin C. Howell while I was playing the game, and he's sort of written a lot about uh, mental illness and relationships as it's portrayed in Final Fantasy VIII. And I kept thinking of that, like you know, Big Boss and Quiet are both. I mean, oh, you mean punished Venom Snake. Punished Venom Snake. Sorry, and Quiet yes. are both silent, obviously, and oh well, pretty much silent. And I don't know. They just sort of have this weird connection and and hit it off, and everyone else is just like. Snake, what are you doing? Uh, and he's just like, no, she's cool. And I don't know. It's just I, I thought they were a very cute couple. I liked them a lot. But in saying that, that's completely positioning uh, Quiet as just like a, a you know a foil to to punish Snake. Um, you know, just a I mean, prop. So she is a character that exists to further uh, this like Snake's characterization but that doesn't mean that that, like, that mm. stuff is invalid mm. um for me i mean you finish first i guess i was going to talk about something you well can... i mean so on the one hand she's like so i guess i came into the game expecting just uh fan service and mm -hmm. you know as well as that i got like this kind of tragic muse figure uh 
you know, which my sad boy ass ate up. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I just got this romance between emotionally unhealthy people. And, and I don't know, I'm, I'm, I, I go all kind of mushy over that sort of thing. I liked mm. it a I lot. Thought, yeah, I thought that what was interesting within the fan service, like, I don't think this is intentional, but it definitely comes down to mm. a strange portrayal of sexuality with the Metal Gear. Is that so? There are two big scenes with Quiet that are these are the fan service scenes. Yeah, and one of them is the shower scene. Yeah, where you come back, like whenever you when you come back to base and you've not washed, Quiet's like, "We're gonna go have a shower together." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's weird. Um, and it's a bit awkward, and like because like, I, I want to make clear that Quiet is one of the most sexually inert characters in a video game. For as much as oh, they're yeah. trying to be like, yeah, yeah, like it, um. But none of that is clearer, uh, and I know this is completely unintentional, but it definitely cements my feelings on it, is uh, in the other cutscene with Big Boss and Quiet, the big, like, mm. not not romantic, but the big connective um, cutscene between them, which is when you come back to the mother base and it's raining, mm. and she just, like, dives down and starts playing in the rain like a child, and Big Boss kind of joins her, and it, the camera's, like, trying to be like, yeah, look at her butt and everything, but it's what what they're actually showing is this like the most sexless innocent expression of joy that these characters have ever been able to feel just because it's yeah. raining so like i mean uh, i i actually got the shower scene before that scene um yes. so that's pretty much exactly how i took the shower scene mm-hmm. i mean the same as like a same kind of weird like these are people who just yeah i mean so hands. like with, with with the shower scene right it's it's set up that uh you don't if you don't wash in a while and you come back to mother base what ordinarily happens is ocelot will throw like a bucket of water over you yep um but if you have your sort of if you have enough friendship points with quiet uh then she stops him and like grabs you by the hand and and, and takes you to shower in her cell and you know you go uh you get a first person camera and you can sort of just look at her body and it's it's ridiculous and silly and awful um but it's it's, it's, I, it's, 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 it's like i want to say that the nice uh, gesture between them and i don't know i just i don't know they were my beautiful little trauma babies and i just (laughs) hashtag trauma babies i i i don't know i liked them a lot (laughs) i think i want to say that um like in terms of actual sexuality in that game and in all Metal Gear games, like the action of Ocelot throwing the water over Snake is far more sexually charged than anything between Quiet and Big Boss oh absolutely like the uh, uh, masculine tension that Mm. exists within a lot of Metal Gear um, especially Mm. between Ocelot and Big Boss I think Miller is Miller as well Um, I meant in uh, in the series as a whole but Miller comes in in this one yeah Uh, like that those the boys will kiss the boys will kiss Mm. this is the truth of metal gear the boys will kiss (laughs) um yeah i mean uh one day i'd like to have a discussion with uh people about uh metal gear sexuality i've been like mentioning it's come up in all the podcasts but we've never Mm. never gone like deep on it Mm. and there's not really time to here but i do think that quiet's portrayal and also the because as you say like a lot of the games about this repressed uh, tension in, in many areas mm. the of course the most explicit this is trying to be a fan service thing is sexually inert and about this uh like repressed emotional need whereas these physical like emotionally repressed actions are actually the most uh 
sexually charged bits in the game all yeah. the emotions that come through and affect the player are the repressed emotions behind the surface of whatever you're seeing yeah. that's true but i mean at, at, the at, scenes. at the same time the series has a, tradi- a tradition of sort of portraying these kind of uh mentally ill very sexualized women i mean there's there's uh, yes. the beauty and the beast oh. unit in four obviously oh, i hate them uh, so much i hate them so much there's fortune in two right like she's i, I love fortune i love fortune too uh, but I mean, she's she's suicidal, and she walks around in like I can't even remember what she wears. Uh, very little, just skin tight uh, swimming costume, like Leah. Yeah, I mean, so I think there's there's this very long connection between um, sexuality and and gendered uh, gendered experiences of mental illness in 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 Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, I mean, the series has. Uh this obsession with femininity as purity mm. and it will use femininity especially in the form of like uh like female sexuality but in two forms like they'll have the dangerous sexy woman and the innocent sexy woman mm. um that can be like corrupted and they're basically ways to show the tragic influence of warfare uh, mm. through this clearly gross lens yeah um and you get that a lot with paz in this game mm-hmm. this person who like is Paz is the most explicitly suffering from mental illness person in the game? Mm. Uh, in that, like, she doesn't know where she like she is not in the reality that you are in. Mm. Um, and I mean, she she's literally in like a, a medical room. Like yeah. she's she's the I think the only character who is, you know, explicitly shown for the majority at least of their portrayal in this kind of this this illness context. Mm-hmm. yeah i think uh, there's, a, there's a long longer conversation to be had about metal gear and sexuality and those are like some brief thoughts on it uh, with quiet but mm. yeah uh, yeah i, I don't know i guess mentioning i mean absolutely i think quiet i i guess the the kind of takeaway takeaway of quiet is that or at least my takeaway was that she was more interesting than i expected Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's it. That's good. Good. Shut that take down. Um, <laughs> uh, what is so? What is uh? Like, how did you come to Metal Gear? What is what is your relationship with the series, and why are you interested in it? Um. So I guess growing up as a gross nerd boy, I'd sort of been aware, Same. peripherally of, of of Metal Gear for a long time, and I'd sort of seen it as you know I knew kind of like okay there's snake and uh nano machines and you know i knew like all the all the kind of meme words and that it was just this big impenetrable thing and then and then i'd always kind of been curious about metal gear solid 2 because it was kind of you know it was the weird one the postmodern one whatever um so then one day i borrowed a copy of twin snakes from a friend played through that and then stormed through two and three and mm-hmm yeah, like and that I'd, was it. Those were the three Metal Gear games that those, were ever those, made. Those were the three Metal Gear games that were ever made until Metal Gear Solid B, The Phantom Pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, weirdly enough, that's the second part of a two-part thing. But I guess they never made the first part either. Um, but <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, for a long like for a long time, I was never super interested in it. I, I mean, I got kind of I got pretty far into Metal Gear Solid Two. I was really interested in that game. Um, and then it sort of dropped off my radar for a few years until uh, the Phantom Pain came out. Mm-hmm. 
what is uh what is so what's what what's your favorite of them is it five at this point i would have said two uh i'm tempted mm-hmm. to say five yeah mm-hmm. that's cool what are you uh like from going through what you've gone through what do you see as like the strengths uh, of like the hooks of do you find this is why this thing is interesting this massive fucking video game indulgent thing why uh what is the what's what it's hooks for you uh the series specifically or just v the series as a whole. well I, I think it's actually the same throughout um yeah god they're just these big messy dioramas you know i you like you've just got to kind of they're their own thing and you've got to take them on their own terms and you know, that gives them a kind of, like, boldness that I really respect. Um, like, I would, I would, I don't know. I, they're just, they're just not bland at all, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just, I, I respect their boldness, I guess, is the short answer. Cool. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, uh, podcasting's hard. Podcasting's so hard. Um, take has been shut down. It's dead. We shut down the take. Um, what do I usually do in this bit? Like this bit's like usually I'm all wide. Like, what, is, what do you think of this game? But everyone else has had like I played it as a child, and I did. Uh, we're both the people who like read criticism. Yeah, I think we both had like because we you played Twin Snakes too, didn't you? I played Twin Snakes, uh, and then I played Metal Gear Solid after playing Twin Snakes. Oh well, I don't know. Maybe we can talk about that because uh, people mean, people, yeah, people don't people don't Twin seem Snakes? to like Twin Snakes. So, what do you think of Twin? I, I, it's, it's, I think it's great. I prefer Metal Gear Solid One, having played Twin Snakes, but I don't think Twin Snakes is a bad introduction to Metal Gear. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a far more honest version of MGS One in the context of what came after. Mm. I thought um, it was like I. So I still haven't actually played uh, the original MGS One, um, but my understanding is Twin Snakes is different in that. A lot of the cutscenes more exaggerated. I've heard it's it's yep. kind of like the anime take. It's like Ocelot's fan fiction. I don't. I don't Not Ocelot. Sorry. Mean to tell you, but you know what is anime as fuck. The whole series. All of Metal Gear. <laughs> All of it. It's Dead the on. most anime bullshit thing. I know. That's why I've, I've I've like never cared about that sort of critique. Um, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was fine. Um, I struggled with it a, a bit at first. It took a while. Like I think for me. I think I started Metal Gear Solid 2 pretty much right after, and I think it wasn't till like the start of Metal Gear Solid 2 that like the gameplay loop of the series clicked for me. Mm-hmm. So I found Metal, so I found Twin Snakes kind of frustrating to play through. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I thought it was fine. I don't know. It was it was a good time. It was kooky. Um, nothing really grabbed me really hard about it though. Um, I think I just, I, I don't know, I just wasn't really into the sort of type of fiction it was going for. Um, but I think, it was, I think it was cool. I think looking back, it's interesting in a lot of ways. I like how it has the Metal Gear Solid 2 first-person aiming, uh, and that just completely breaks a bunch of encounters. You can just beat the Ocelot boss fight like that. It's great. Yeah, I think that's hilarious. I think, it, I think it's amazing. Yeah. I think the retroactive, like, putting things into this game that was not designed to it especially in that series mm. which is all about um uh, like 
the perspective mm. in mm. in those games is a very deliberate thing. Yeah. And so changing the way you interact with that and the way it changes your relationship to the space is profound. Yeah. Uh, I wish they would do that more. And I guess that's. I'm also sort of interested in um. Because I think I mentioned earlier, I played like the original release of Metal Gear Solid Three with like a fixed camera. So like I'm kind of curious what having more camera control does to that game as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's a cool thing. I like the the differences in uh, one and Twin Snakes that affect me are more like in the soundtrack and the performance. Mm. Um, the cutscenes being more exaggerated. Uh, is one thing snake's voice is very different because when david hader was voicing snake in metal gear solid one david hader was taking on a job when david hader was voicing snake afterward david hader was solid snake and that is what he does yeah yeah like the um and like the voice shifts when he has gone from uh just soldier man in a video game to like cultural icon hero mm. um but th- that's fine like i'm, I'm fine with that I think it's a, I think it's important to have both around to see the difference, mm. but I'm fine with that. I, I I think the music in Twin Snakes is a lot worse because they remove a lot of the like Metal Gear One has these choral and it's like weird piano arrangements that keep going and like repeating, and they're replaced in Twin Snakes with like and like because the the scene when you swim into the the base in 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 One is. Uh, accompanied with the beginning of the best is yet to come so it's just like you're swimming in and it's just like Gaelic chorus is singing and it's the opening of the game it's amazing but in Twin Snakes it's just you swim up and it's like it's like oh 2004 yeah I honestly cannot remember any of the the music at all which I guess is kind of what you're saying it's fine either way like it's like no no it's good it's good it's good however you get it Brother! <laughs> um, what did you think of three when you played it for the first time? Um, I think we talked we talked about two before. Yeah. But... So like, I went into three sort of like, okay, that was it. Two's the best. Nothing's going to top it. Um, yeah. So I, I think in some ways I kind of went into three looking for like excuses not to like it. Like it's like, oh, it's like James Bond, man. That's like less cool. Uh, um, yeah. Like again, because of the gameplay changes, it took ages again for it to re-click mm-hmm. uh but probably from about like halfway through i was really into it um boss battles were like fantastic i love the theme song i love the theme song so much bum, 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 bum. just the ways bum, they use that with the, just the ladder and everything like man i think that's good i think mgs3 is a, a real good game as well it's a great time but like yeah. i don't i don't really know how much i have to say about it though like yeah, compared yeah. to like two as someone who's done podcasts on all of these fucking games <laughs> i'm so, i'm so, i'm dry i don't have anything left uh help me Zaya, help me save me uh uh uh, uh mgf3 i liked that you could eat snakes thumbs up for the snake eden how good was it to not actually have to put your fingers on a controller to experience Metal Gear Solid 4? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> oh, I fast-forwarded through so much of that game. Yep. Oh, it's great. Um, it's so good, yeah. But, like, I'm also with not the, in, as, in, as familiar in, with it because of it. And, like, after playing V, I, like, went back to kind of refresh myself a little. 
mm-hmm. and holy shit, just jumping back into that David Hayter voice was just like I did. We haven't brought it up yet, but I think changing the like Keith Sutherland is terrible. Oh, so bad. I'm glad he doesn't talk any, any like much because whenever he opens his mouth, it is the worst. <laughs> oh my god, why? Who thought this was a good idea? I'm so upset. I was okay I'm so with upset. It. Uh, no, because no. you know, I, snake, I snake opens his mouth like thing. twice. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, but no, because I'm listening to the um, uh, like cassette tapes which replace codec screens, which is mm. like his codec mm. screens are amazing. Absolutely um, agreed. Like, make reducing the like bulk of the plot of the game to optional things you can listen to while shooting people completely removes like the pacing of a codec impact, but also the open world also like mm. pacing isn't. Uh, defined in this game is the way it is in the other ones mm. but uh, the, like when i'm listening to troy baker and Kiefer sutherland have a conversation i'm like you're neither of you are metal gear voice actors i which who's who help i can't tell who the gruff military man is in this conversation <laughs> I, I i never learned i never actually learned to distinguish miller and ocelot's voices no the, co- the codex the, the codex was sorry the the tapes was so confusing to me Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just like there's some good moments. There's a bit where Huey goes, "Everyone can see it's a wolf." That's great. <laughs> and there's the bit where Ocelot goes, "We are oh, Nerdist Project. It's called Les Enfants Terribles." <laughs> but I but, will uh, say, I will say, the, I did like the, how little they the cared about just preserving Ocelot's accent. It's just <laughs> like, oh true. hey, it's Ocelot in a new game. He looks totally different. He has a totally different voice. He doesn't sound anything like him. Doesn't look anything like him. Mm. He just put a shitty moustache on Troy Baker and called it a day. We're never going to mention it. Never going to mention it. All right, we've got questions to wrap this thing up. Apart from one from Dan, they're all from M. Whoa. Um, Whoa. Um, which (laughs) has five questions of increasing ridiculousness. Beautiful. So I guess, uh, we'll begin. We'll begin with Dan's question first. Um, Wait, can we can we can we, we sort of mix them up a bit? Like, instead I mean, of like a, a increasing ridiculousness, can we kind of? No, I'm going to go through M's questions in order. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, okay. No, we'll do M's questions, and then we'll end with Dan's uh, question, which is more serious. All right. All right. Bring it. Here we go. All right. Is Zanzibar Land secretly the best theme park yet? Name. Uh yes, yes. The answer is yes. There's no discussion required. The answer is yes. Um, actually, I will have to give a shout out to to a prospective Angola Zaire border zone land, <laughs> border region land, region land, region land. Uh, why is Ocelot so gross? It's the moustache. It's the moustache. It's also the mullet. It's the moustache. Also the, the coat. I don't. I don't. I. I just. It doesn't it's look everything. like everything. It doesn't look like he washes his clothes. His hair looks just gross and greasy. Man, I no, no, just no. Just no. no if I were, if I were a solid snake, I wouldn't want to be wrestling that guy. No. Uh, however many years later, on top of a <laughs> on top of a giant thing. Yeah. Uh, next question: Metal Gear. Um, do they they don't say that in this game? No, do I don't think they do. Because as we say, Snake doesn't open his mouth. 
Even the entire plot of the game is revealed in like a 12 minute t- three different scenes in which there's a scene and then there's a car ride and then there's the like most climactic scene. Oh, we didn't talk Snake about the car ride. <laughs> I love that I love that ride so much. It's the ladder part 2. It's so good. You just they just sit there and stare at each other awkwardly <laughs> while that song plays <laughs> and then the speech ends like halfway through. So Skullface yep. just turns on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, question four is Kojima with six question marks. Um, no, Kojima's sure. dead now. Do you think Kojima, in his new job, has, um, like, is terrified of like Sony coming to him one day saying, "We got the rights to Metal Gear back." <laughs> <laughs> I think there's no scenario <laughs> which he is terrified of more than that. <laughs> Kojima wakes up in the middle of the night, covered in sweat. Just, yeah, like, like metal gear. Andrew House is going to go, you know, we got for you, friend. Mm. So that that's the response to Metal Gear with like seven question marks. It's it's Kojima covered in sweat. <laughs> uh, and the final demand, I guess, is explain Big Boss in total. Oh. Um... <laughs> Are we talking as like a, a explain big boss in total? Uh big boss is Already the best friend anyone. any of us ever had. <laughs> the best friend any of us ever had who destroyed the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's actually a good <laughs> it's it's actually fairly, fairly good. Um and Dan's question. Is, what's your favorite Metal Gear gag? Is it there just for a laugh, or does it have a narrative or thematic function? Uh, 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 uh. Do you want to start? I'm kind of curious to hear yours. Oh, I have no idea. There's so many good ones. Uh, I don't know. Like I got, I love the one in three where Snake puts on that helmet, oh, the crocodile helmet, I think, it is, <laughs> and and calls all the people on the codec to go. Uh, I've put on the crocodile helmet, and they'll go, "What a great use of the what a like this is a great disguise. It'll be work useful in these ways." And all of the his team members, like every after every call, snakes like, "What? What? Excuse me? What?" <laughs> um, and it's only when he calls Eva, and he was like, "What the fuck have you got in your head?" That he's like, "Oh my god, thank you. I thought I'd gone crazy." The- <laughs> it's real good. I mean, the real answer is that the the best Metal Gear Solid gag is the entirety of Metal Gear Rising. Yes. Uh, because that game... Because uh, I know you've not played it, so I'm not going to go super spoilery, but in the very first mission of that game, Raiden gets his arm cut off and goes, shit, not again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's perfect. It's a perfect video game. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, so that's my answer there. <laughs> I think all the best uh, gags are Raiden-related. Um, my favourite gag... I'm not sure if this counts as a gag, so if it isn't, just just cut me off. I have another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite gag is the Emma escort sequence in Metal Gear Solid 2. Because what is that a gag? It's an underwater timed escort mission. <laughs> it's like everyone's yeah. worst dreams at once, and, and, it, and, it, and it's amazing. And it's just so many little things. Like you, you get through the underwater section and you kind of come out on a corridor and there's like a bunch of sea lice just streaming across it mm-hmm. and then emma's scared of bugs and you have so to she w- so she won't walk them. across it 
it's pretty good i I like especially in two and three when those are the most uh, prominent like all the weird mm. gags that come from like, now you have to do this and deal with this in this weird way mm. and metal gear solid 2 has a lot of them oh it's great and then like, like you... oh now you gotta get the right mask to get into the thing mm. Um, and then, like, you come out on, like, the, the... What is it? It's, like, there's the bit where she has to walk across... Oh, the, the, something, the like, connecting strut. The connecting strut the in the sunset yeah. and vamps attacking or whatever. Oh, that's, that's and, like, you can, you, can, you can zoom in on her with a directional mic, and she's like, I wonder if that's his real hair. And then Ryden, get, <laughs> and then Ryden gets all pissy. Because that's what he does. Oh, it's so good. Um, um, yeah. Secondary backup answer is the bit where someone pisses on Ryden. Or Raiden walks <laughs> underneath their piss stream. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, also, good answer to the the time you have to take out Raiden's dad, Russian dad, and become <laughs> Raiden's Russian dad. Yes. What a ridiculous series. Um, um, and I have the final question of myself, which is, what is the best Metal Gear song? Uh, what's the okay? So it's either Fortune's theme, um, okay. that really jazzy, sexy yep. sax oh, number. Ah, uh, yep. Or it's the ending theme of Metal Gear Solid Two, the name of which escapes me right now. Can't say goodbye to yesterday. That's the one. Yeah, that's a popular one. Uh, I am not a fan of it for some reason, but. Uh... People, people love the song. You can tell what my favorite Metal Gear is. <laughs> I, I can do that. All MGS2 all the time. Yeah. Well, that's it. We did a podcast. Where can people find you on the onlines? I am at WoundWW on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about it. That's my only sort of public face. Do you write for Arcade Review? Oh, yes. Sorry. I also... I write at moon.equipment and have a regular thing at uh, Arcade Review, uh, arcadereview.net, also at Arcade Review on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Zaya, for joining us for this finale. Yeah. We're, we're done. Thank you very much for having end. me. The end of yeah. Metal Gear. The end of Metal Gear. I feel like this need, after the music plays, this needs a codec conversation oh wait actually i have one more thing to say uh real quickly before metal gear ends properly i think it's i think it's really fitting that uh metal gear which is a series about you know legacy and communication whatnot uh the big threat of the end of metal gear is a parasite that takes away your 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 ability to speak it's like this kind of you know existential threat to the very idea of communication and legacy Mm -hmm. that's it the end the end the end we're done done. goodbye The the takes are gone The takes are out. The take is cold. Standing on the edge of the crater Like the prophets once said And the ashes are all cold now No more bullets And the embers are dead Whispers in the air Tell the tales of the brothers gone Desolation, devastation 
What a mess we made when it all went wrong. Watching from the edge of the circus for the games to begin. Gladiators draw.
podcasts are edited and set to be published. Yes, yes, of course. All the recordings went off without a hitch. No, sir. Nobody suspects a thing. They all believe that a normal mapping will reach episode 50. Yes, I know. Even that fool Jackson. He thought he could get away with another series about Mass Effect. Can you believe it? They're all fools. No, no. No one thinks I have any involvement with this. Yes. Thank you. No, no. No, it's fine. Goodbye. Mr. Kojima.